Hello, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on the fascinating world of near-death experiences, spirit communication, and all things metaphysical and spiritual. The mission of this project is to share messages of hope and inspiration with others, and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. Thank you for being here with an open heart and mind. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today for Magic is Real. I am Shannon Torrance. I'm a medium, and I'm somebody that is passionate about all things spiritual, spiritual journeys, metaphysical, and I'm here to share that with you. And today with, I have with me my guest, Catherine Branham, who is a psychic medium, but she's not just a psychic medium. She is a free-flowing psychic medium, which I'll have her explain. She has been able to do this work since she was little. And I'm always so fascinated to meet natural mediums, I call them, um, who they don't know how it started. It just kind of started. And she's also the author of three books now. One is coming up and I'm going to have her tell you all about the books, but her best-selling Amazon book is called How I Found My Superpowers, and I will have her tell you about the other ones because there is one that is coming out on October 7th that I am super excited to read. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much for being here. You have three books out that I want you to talk about. One of them is How I Found My Superpowers, and that is the story of how you discovered your abilities and came into this life as a free-flowing psychic medium, which we will talk about. You have another book, which is a workbook that accompanies that book. Can you show us that book, please? Yes. It's, uh, it's called Self-Help Slut, and it's starting with a clean slate. It's all about cleaning your energy field of any judgment that you have towards yourself and any judgment you have towards others. And it's also about being able to do some of the maintenance in your energy field that most people may say, oh, I've got to go to someone and get this done. It actually walks you through some of the very simple things that you can do that will empower your energy field and really power you up to be more accepting of your gifts. And for those that already know about their gifts, it helps them to deepen it. Great. And then the book you have coming out on October 7th is called It Was Murder. Right. It and what's the sub? title of that it was murder nobody knew yes. and I am fascinated and can't wait to read this because this is your uh, compilation of stories about tell us in your words please it's about true life events where deceased loved ones came forward uh, to tell someone that they did not die the way that it was marked on the death certificate or how they thought they came forward to say they were murdered. And then they go into explaining what happened. So in a few of the stories there, uh, it simply was, I didn't even know the people, you know, and they just came forward and said, listen, they think I died of a heart attack, but this is what happened and went into details. And I had one uh, deceased person come forward and explain, does the back window to the in the next to the back door his fingerprints are there wow. and nobody would have thought to dust it and she went on to explain who this person was to her so it's there's going to be four books in that it's going there's four all together because i can't get everything in in one 
so every chapter has several stories of different situ different cases. And this one is the first one. And it was murder two. We'll be following this for next year. Wow, that's exciting. It mixes my two worlds together, my my passion for true crime and my passion for spirituality. Um, and I'm really excited to read it. So what I want to do is talk about, first of all, you are a free flowing medium, which means that you don't have to go into a trance or uh, set yourself up. You can just instantly connect with the spirit world, I assume through intention or even, is it always through intention or is it sometimes not even intentional? No, it's, it's actually not intentional. So sometimes when I'm just overhearing a conversation, like if you're at the grocery store and you're checking out and there's a couple talking, if someone states a question, I hear an answer. So usually when I have a session with someone, I will say, have your questions ready because uh, it's, it's not something that I have to sit and meditate on. As soon as they hear the answer, uh, as soon as they say the question, I hear the answer. And a lot of times I will parrot exactly what their guides are saying. So their spirit guides will either be saying, I'll say, they're saying this, they're saying this, uh, or their higher self. So it's very easy to hear the answer. And a lot of times I will hear answers to things I don't really want to know the answer on and yeah. not with the client, you know, just out and about. I will hear certain things like, oh, I wish I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah, that's a big responsibility. Yeah, it used to bother me quite a bit when I was younger and I would hear something that was going to happen to someone or I knew something was going to happen. But over the years, I've come to realize there's nothing I can do to prevent that because most of the time people don't want to hear what's going to happen. They don't want to hear how they can prevent their passing. They would just rather not know. Yeah, I can understand that. I, I When I was reading up on you, I was thinking, I wonder if I would want to know certain things. And I'm like, part of me just likes the not knowing and the adventure of it, of what's going to happen next. And can I change the course of things? But um, we will get to that because I listened to an interview that you did that I thought was really interesting. Um, first, I'm just going to take uh, everyone back to when you were a child. And this is when you didn't know that anything was different about you. But you slowly had to learn that not everybody was seeing what you were seeing and receiving the type of information that you were seeing. Why would you? You're a child. So can you take us back? What were some of the things you remember about being a child and how spirit interacted with you? Well, when, when I was a small child, my mother used to punish me by putting me in a closet and the closet was very small. And so during the time in the closet, I would see these people come in and they were actually spirits. So I, I would have one lady come in and she would pet my hair oh. and I would feel as though I'm falling asleep on her. Um, but over the course of the years, you know, they would eventually come to stand next to the bed while I was sleeping. And they never, I never was afraid of them. I just didn't really give them any thought. You know, I just thought they were there and that was it. But it wasn't until uh, a dance recital, I was about to go on stage to go get my trophy and they were lining us up and this woman starts screaming frantically. She uh, was told her granddaughter walked out the back door and got into someone's car and the woman was frantic. She couldn't breathe, she was hyperventilating. There was a lot of screaming. All of a sudden I see her fall back and I put my arms out to catch her. She of course was a lot bigger than me at the time so I barely broke her fall. 
but when she fell back on me, I watched her soul go. And my mom pulls me off to the side and I said, mom, she just went to heaven. She just left. And mom said, no, no, she didn't. The paramedics, they're going to load her up on a stretcher. She's going to be fine. They're going to take her to the hospital. She'll be just fine. Now you clean yourself up, you know, and your dad's out there recording. I don't want him recording you crying. And I thought she, she didn't see him. And then I'm looking around at the people and they're still watching the grandmother getting loaded on the stretcher and carried off. So I thought no one saw, there's no soul in that body. But when I noticed her soul leave, she was no longer frantic. She no longer seemed to be worried about the granddaughter. And, and what did she look like? Was she transparent? Did she just look like herself? Did she, you see her? She, yeah. actually, she looked like herself. She looked like the spirit version of herself. And the spirit version of someone is just without the density of the human body, mm -hmm. the heaviness of it. But she looked exactly like she did at that moment. Uh, but when people cross into the light, they can usually choose to be any age they want. So I knew she wouldn't be looking like that for very long, but she was going right to the light. So it wasn't, she wasn't going to be a ghost that lingered around. Right. Actually, that's a good question. Do ghosts linger, ghosts, spirit yeah. linger around? They do if they don't go into the light. So in the book, it was murder. There, There's one case in there where two individuals died within a few minutes of each other. One went into the light and the other one stayed because they were too afraid to cross into the light because of what would happen on the other side. And because of our human teachings here on earth, uh, many churches have chosen to teach fire and brimstone to scare people into tactics. Uh, many of them, such as the Catholic church that has believed, you know, teaching purgatory and all that, there's not any of that. Hell is what we make. Hell is what humanity makes for themselves. And some of that hell gets experienced while they're here during this lifetime. And so those experiences aren't to be, you know, when people say they've had a near-death experience and they saw hell, well, that was, so, that was their higher self setting up that experience so they could change the way they're living here. But that's not the true side once people cross. Um, I was taken across. Uh, I've gone across a few times to take people over, but I was taken across unexpectedly one night. And I talk about it in the book, How I Found My Superpowers. It really freaked me out because I was so cold. It felt like I was standing in a freezer or in Colorado on the coldest day with no jacket. Um, and when I went across, my guides were all there and they were showing me different things on the other side. And my dad said, oh, you're here. I'm so glad to see you. And the guide said, she's not here. We're just showing her this for this moment. And he said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And then they put this light blanket over me and it wasn't a blanket like we would think of a blanket it was just like a sheet of light that they made over me and I thought okay I'm fine now I can pay attention I'm not so cold that I can't pay attention but there is uh there's so there's so much happiness there so when people are teaching fire and brimstone and all these things it's nothing like that and that's the one message that I want to share through all of my books 
is exactly the accountability of what these souls have gone through. And some of the things that I've learned through them weren't things I would have ever chosen to learn. This is not the career I would have chosen for myself. I kept right. trying to do all these other things and uh, spirit had another another destination for me and every door kept closing until I was just like, okay, I'm broken. What do I do? What do you want me to do? This is what you're going to do. And they <laughs> told you. Yeah, they told me. Now you have the ability to see someone's life from conception until their passing when you sit with them, correct? Well, I, I see it anyway without sitting with them. Okay. If I know you know, there's, there's different people out there who are, uh, who claim to be mediums. And mm -hmm. when I am with someone and I don't see something, I will tell them, I just don't see this for you. Yeah. I will, yeah. I will only tell them what I see, but on the flip side, if they're asking me about their life, what do you see for me in two years? I'm not going to make anything up. Right. If I see them there in two years, I will say, you need to get your affairs in order. Right. But I will only tell people that, that are coming to me that know they're ill or this is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. For that, I usually will not take people that I see are not going to be around in five years. I won't right. even look for them. Right. And so when you're, when you're doing a reading for, for your clients, yeah, obviously that's a huge responsibility because it may not be in their best interest to know that they're going to pass away in three years and that's just going to depress them and make them feel panicky um, when really they ha might have more to do and you want them to be present in the world they're in. So as I heard you say in another interview and just now, it's more that you kind of tweak suggestion or I I'm going to say suggestions for how to navigate whatever specific path they are on. And I'd love to know how you perceive the information. So say I'm a client, I'm sitting across from you. Is it all just claircognizance where you just know it all? Do you hear your guides and their guides talking? Um, and how do you, how does your, how do your senses perceive the information? Well, I don't, I don't like my voice box to be used. Mm -hmm. So I will not let them do this, but I will pick up a pen and I keep a pad of paper. So as they're talking, I will write something and I won't pay attention to what's written until the client says, what do you think about that? And then I look at the notes and then I hold the notes up to the screen so they ah. can see it's just written. But um, when I'm reading for someone, I only rely on their guides, their deceased loved ones and their angels. My guides only step in when it's they're telling me, don't say this mm -hmm. or you need to tell them this. My guides only step in to corral me, to pull me back. Uh, they never step in for the other person. And when I am reading for someone that I know this is something they need to go get looked at, I will say, you need to go get this checked out. Mm -hmm. And so for, I had a guy that came to me, very young guy, and they were showing me his colon uh, because I, I, really learn my basis through medical uh, intuition. That's main, That's my forte. And so I would do body charts for doctors and uh, medical staff. So what, what I saw in his energy field, he didn't come to me for a health reading. He came to me for a relationship 
And I answered his question. And I said, the one thing that's standing out to me is um, your colon. You need to go get that checked out. So I said, well, funny you should say that, you know, I have had some issues. I said, you need to go get a colonoscopy. This is what you need to do. So we get off the call and my guide said, he's not going to go get one. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, I'll check you out, but you don't need a colonoscopy. You're too young. The guy comes back to me and says, he told me I'm fine. I said, listen, I'm telling you right now for your colon to look like this to me, it's, it's like stage three or four, go get a colonoscopy. And he got off the phone with me and I said, you need to get someone in like emergency. So tell me it's an emergency. He got in, they found it uh, there. He was living on his own in another state. I said, part of this happening is so you can rebuild things with your family because when you moved, it ended badly. You're gonna go back to your home state. You're gonna get treatment. You're gonna be fine. And during that time period, you're gonna rebuild the relationship with your family. That's why this has happened. It's so your family can find acceptance with you and you with them. And once you do that, it's going to be in remission. You're going to be fine. Well, oh, that's wow. exactly what happened because with certain battles that we undertake in this lifetime, there's things to learn with it. And that, that always gets back to self-acceptance or acceptance of another. And that's right. what this was. And so if the guides are saying, get a colonoscopy, you don't go to a doctor and the doctor's going to tell you, oh no, you don't need one. You go friggin' get one yeah. you know, and do it now. But um, I've had a couple of situations where people have come in with medical issues and I've said, look, I see you as a 80 year old person. So I know you're going to overcome this. And that's, that's really right. all they needed to hear. They're like, okay, I got this. I'm going to overcome it. That's right. It's kind of, I remember you saying that in another interview that it's more like you see the end. So it's yeah. not necessarily like you need to say, you're going to get a divorce. You're just yeah. like, you're going to, whatever, be married or not married by the time you're 75 or whatever it is so that you're just kind of looking at the end, the end of the road. Yes. And how can we navigate that along the way? Because we have free will. And that was something I wanted to ask you too. How does free will play into all of this barring medical things or or things like that that are just your path because your soul chose that to learn from well i want to give my uh, mom as an example here because i don't have a client that i've actually asked permission for uh my mother's last contract here on earth was uh accepting love in every direction which meant not just love between a part you and a partner but accepting love with a pet or accepting love with a family member where you're okay with your mother-in-law living with you, or you're okay watching, you know, your brother's dog for two days. There is a real difference with uh, self-acceptance and acceptance of others. She was having a struggling time learning love in every direction. And I was the first one she was supposed to learn that with. And she never learned it with me. When she finally accepted me in her uh, last several years of life, she became my biggest fan. Mm. But um, prior to that, she wasn't. But still, she had other people she had to work things out with. The last contract she had was with her mother-in-law, accepting the fact that she needed to live with her for a short time and accepting it. Instead, she fought it. 
And when we keep giving uh, lessons over and over and they all have like that same theme to it, that's a lesson that we need to overcome. And you can't just look at it and say, you know, I keep dating all these lousy guys, but they're all the same type of guys. Why can't I have a great guy? Well, you can't have a great guy until you understand what you need to overcome with it, which is you're devaluing yourself. You've already marked your, your value down and you're going right back into the slums of dating someone that's a lower frequency than you. Right. When we finally overcome certain lessons, we'll stop being given that lesson. And it's like, wow, it's almost like through the ethers, you can feel this wonderful vibrational frequency go, ah, I've arrived and I made it. Yep. That and makes sense. To your next thing that you're here to learn. Right. And are you able to use these abilities to help yourself to, I mean, how do you use them? How are you able to help yourself? Can you see your own path? I would assume not, but I'd love to know how that works for you. I can't. And, but there's times that I'm like, I know this is going to happen. Yeah. And so like in the book, um, my ex uh, husband, we were working on this project and it, you know, we had a marketing uh, firm. We were working on this project and he brought home this really big check from this project we had been spending a lot of time in. And he's like, I know you said we're, you know, we're going to be millionaires before we're 30. I don't know how that's going to happen, but when you say something's going to happen, it, it always does. So, you know, why don't we invest this in the market? And I'm like, I don't know anything about the stock market. He's like, maybe I'll, I'll show you a couple of, things and you tell me which one you like so he showed me this sheet where he wrote down and I said I, I like that one it really it stood out like it highlighted from the page I'm like that one so he invested sixty thousand dollars into it and uh before we turned 30 before I turned 30 um it hit 2.2 million wow that's something people always say well if you're so psychic why can't you pick the winning lottery numbers for yourself well, most people don't even think to do that. So people right. that are like living in that mentality. Yeah. Because people that are walking their spiritual path, you know, whatever it is you want, if you're doing what you're here to do, you're going to get it. Because um, the times where I wasn't doing what spirit wanted me to do, I felt the, I felt the wrath, you know, because yeah. it wasn't like he was punishing me, but <laughs> no door would open. I get that. Know? I wanted to move to a, another state. Um, that opportunity would not open up for me. And as I'm sitting there going, crap, you know, this is really what I wanted. Because I'm here having a human experience. All of us here are having a human experience. I'm going, crap, I really wanted to move to that state. The phone rings. And it's this woman telling me a friend of mine had given her my number. She needs my help. Her daughter is going through this, this, and this. And everybody else is giving up on her. Can I help her? And I'm like, yes. So I'm sitting there on the curb going, you know, because I'm sitting here with the moving truck. Okay, here's what you're going to do. And told her what was going to happen. And after she was, she happened to be a nurse. And after that, it was like word spread through the hospital of, and I was like, overnight, I was packed seven days a week with business. And I'm like, okay, God. I wanted to move to another state. I wanted to uh, maybe sell real estate. And here I'm doing this. 
I'm just going to do it. I mean, you've got plans for me. I'm feeding my kids, you know, I'm able to do this. So I guess I'll do this for a while. And every time I felt like I wanted to give up because there were some readings that were horrible to see. And I, I would after leave the reading, I would just be in tears after what I had witnessed. Um, I would think, I just don't want to do this anymore. And then the next day I log into the computer and it would be a letter, uh, you know, an email from someone that they would say, you know, so, there was something that I did that, that changed their life. And to me, that, that kept me going. So every time it was like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. And that's what happened. You know, when COVID, when I was watching what was going to happen, I saw the bodies in the uh, bags and I saw what turned me into it were a few of the doctors that I read for, I never see them break. And I was seeing them break down. I'm like, that's nerve wracking. It's just like when you're on a plane and you know, it's a little bit of turbulence, but once you see the airline stewardess buckle in, you're like, oh shit, you know, and then you're gripping your seat. Um, and so when I witnessed that, I just hit my knees again. And I said, God, you know, I, I can see these things, but how come I can't help more people than what I've been able to help? So I thought after this, you know what? I feel like I've done it for enough years. I want to go teach tap. I'm going to go do something, you know, work in a restaurant, teach tap dancing again, do something fun. Um, and then at the time I was working with this amazing man who had served 21 years in the U.S. Army and was incarcerated. He had uh, done everything in awakening and opening up to his path. He said, uh, you know what? All those notes you've been taking over the years, I'm publishing your book. Wow. And he said, get it ready. Uh, so I sat down and I said, this is a miracle because I just said, I didn't want to do this any anymore. God, how can I help more people? And then Major Austin Hart says, I'm going to publish your book. So I sat down and I said, okay, what stories do I need to put in? What experiences do I need to put in that would help people? And every one of them were hand selected by spirit. You know, there was a lot I could have put on the in-between of certain situations, but uh, what I was guided to was the information that I put in there was enough to help people to understand the spirit world without giving them too much to where they walk away going, gosh, it just seems like so much to take in. Yeah. And everything else has been broken up over the workbook and the other stuff that would help people in learning about the spirit world and understanding that you don't have to be born a, a title of a medium because everybody walking the planet has abilities. It's just that they've casted themselves so far from who they really are in the uh, light of God and spirit that they've taken that away from themselves. And we've got to get everybody back, you know, so I've met so many wonderful brothers and sisters on the way uh, on this path. And I seriously love everyone. And when they message me and go, I'm awakening, like you told me I would, I've been doing this. I'm like, oh, thank God, you know, you can yeah. make it. I know. It's like you want it for everyone because you think what could be accomplished in terms of creating more peace and harmony and love and communication and all of the things. And yet, yep. you know, the, the, uh, 
the fact that there are so many people that are at different in different places, I'll just say, on different paths. That's kind of what we're all here to do is help navigate all of the different paths and learn to accept one another and learn from one another. It's it's a lot. Now, I would love to know too, when this must get, I would assume, because you don't have, like you said, you don't, like when I do a mediumship reading, because I am not somebody who realized she was a medium until later, and then actually intended to do it. I studied it. I learned the art of it. And as you said, some people, what they always say is some people play piano, but are they going to be Chopin? You know, no, like, you know, and like you just do this automatically. I do go into the meditation. I still work on sifting out my own thoughts. Um, fortunately, enough comes through that I just tell, I always tell my clients, look, some of this just might be my own, my own stuff, but we'll get through that. And then, you know, we focus on what, what resonates. How do you personally set boundaries energetically for yourself? Because this would get very uh, overwhelming, I would assume, to go out in the world and be able to essentially, I know you're not, you might not say it's reading minds, but I guess it kind of is because you can tell everyone's story. And do, and like you said, sometimes you just want to be normal. You're like, I just want to be a tap teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to teach tap. I want to do shuffle ball change. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is difficult at times. There's some days where I say, okay, you know, I just want to go out and have a good day, kind of get lost in the day somewhere. So I do have those days, you know, that I can't do anything this morning. I don't feel like I'll be any use to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I go get my battery charged somewhere like at the park or uh, with the dogs with Frisbee. And when I'm able to come back, I feel much more refreshed. I love yard work. So I spend a lot of time doing yard work and uh, with animals and that really recharges my battery. But when it comes to being near someone or someone touching me, I have difficulty with not in a Howard Hughes way. Mm -hmm. uh, but an example would be so getting a facial. If I was to get a facial, oh, yeah. uh, I can read, I can read them. Uh, I've met dental hygienist because they're in my mouth, you know, they're cleaning. And I always, I always tend to um, get people that need the message. And so if they're touching me and they're not asking me questions, like their life starts flashing to me, things that they're doing currently, their relationship, their intimate encounters, everything starts coming through when they're, if they touch me. So I usually don't, want to be somewhere where I'm going to be touched or in close proximity, not oh, because yeah. of germs, but because I don't want to read people. And so some, some tasks that would be very enjoyable, like getting a massage, that's torture to me. Oh yeah. What a bummer. I massages are my favorite thing in life. I know I'm, I'm that's like, that's on my list to try to conquer is like to be able to calm. But you know, when the massage person, when the therapist comes up, it's like, I scan them now a little bit to make sure there's nothing too toxic in their life and go, oh, she's perfect. Yeah. You know, so had a facial and I took a glance over through her and I'm like, she's very judgmental, but she's a good person. She doesn't do anything wrong. So come on, let's go. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you never know what you're going to get. And so those are the difficult times is finding enjoyment and still like understanding I'm not crossing boundaries, but sometimes things just come up, especially if they touch me. Yeah. I wonder that too, with friends and people that your friends and family, 
how that affects your social interactions. Like if you just want to have lunch with your friends, um, but you probably already know them enough by now, I would assume yeah. where you've already know their story. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess that that's the answer. But how would you answer that? They, they, I've read for uh, various ones for various situations. Yeah. You know, they've had parent parents that they've lost and the situations around a parent passing or a friend passing, but my true friends don't cross boundaries. Right. You know, and so it is one of those things that I could be out with them, you know, or at the store and it's nothing, you know, and if I'm somewhere and, um, you know, someone says, you know, well, what do you do? Oh, nothing, you know, or I yeah. do yard work. I, I always Next. like, yeah. I just say I have, have spiritual class like I well I'm a voice actor so that's easy for me to just say that um but if you know and when I'm mentioning my jobs I'll be like and I have spiritual work that I do I just don't go into what it is until I know that they're interested um or just kind of, either they'll just go uh-huh or they'll go oh what kind of spiritual work do you do and then you can kind of go into it but it is uh but like unlike you it doesn't have I mean sometimes information comes through when I'm not trying um but it's very rare because I, for me, being newer at it and still honing that that skill, I still do the whole unnecessary stuff that I do for me. I light the candles. I put on my crystals. I put on the music that gets me in the zone. And then I ask spirit to come in and I do the whole thing. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. But uh, in a way, I wish I could just, I mean, I'm sure I can. I just think I lean on it as a crutch. Yeah. I'm starting to go, Shannon, you don't need that. What if, What if you just trust and just just start reading, just do it. And I'm like, no, I need my crutch. But at the same time, I think it's, it would be really interesting to just go, okay, I'm just, as Suzanne Giesman says, just shift, um, just shift. And the other thing that I wonder if this happens to you, do you still kind of experience knowing when things are going to happen to people you love and, <coughs> excuse me, and having to sort of navigate, do I say something? How do I, how do you navigate things like that when you see things for your friends or your family? Well, for, um, it's happened a few times with people that no one would have expected that because they were so young Yeah. and I looked at them and when I looked at them, uh, their guide and my guide said, they're not going to make it to adulthood. They won't make it to adulthood. So I knew they're going to die at 19. Yeah. They won't make it to the age of 20. And so I, there were times that I did tell my daughter, um, your friend's not going to make it to 20. And she said, mom, don't say that. I'm, I said, that's what they're showing me. I don't see him as an adult. They said, He'll, he won't make it to adult. So those type of situations have been difficult when spirit told me mom would be leaving in two weeks. You know, she was fine. Mm. And when he told me that, that whole week was jam-packed with, I, I, that was, those were seven day work weeks. And some of those days I didn't get finished work until 10 PM at night, because you never know what you're going to go into, going into something and how long it's going to take. But um, I was on the phone with her and I talk about it in the book, the conversation. And she says, so what do you see for 2020? You know, so as she's asking that, uh, spirit says she'll be leaving. And, no, I'd start telling her. And then she's like, oh, no, am I going to be okay? 
and I was like, oh crap. But right as she said that, they said she'll be leaving in two weeks. And she left exactly on the two week mark. Um, but when I hear things like that, that that was the only time that I basically had amnesia that week. I, I it was like I was on autopilot. I were I was working had everybody booked up. And then the day she passed, she called me and said, it was Good Friday. She said, hey, the kids are out of school today. And I said, yep, they don't have school. She said, are you working? I said, well, I have a couple of clients. She's like, oh, I wanted to come out there and see you guys. And I heard my guide say, call your clients and cancel, move them to, move them to next week and go have the day. And I went and had the day and we had this awesome day you couldn't have planned a better day. Mm. And while we, we went to breakfast first and while we were having breakfast, her guides came in and said, do you see what she's eating? Do you see this? And they were showing me everything. And then they were showing me her head. And I thought, um, I can't even focus on conversation, you know, but most people that I'm in normal conversation with don't know my tell. I have this tell that the kids swear to God that I have. They know. Yeah. No. And they're always like, What'd you see, Lassie? What'd you see? Respectful, <laughs> calling your mother Lassie. But um, they will say, what'd you see, Lassie? But I then we went on to have this great day and we went several different places and I was driving and everybody's in the, piled into the Pathfinder and we just had this great day. And then before she got ready to leave, she was sitting on the sofa and my guide said, go up and look at her ears. And they were showing me markings on the ears, which I'm going to write about in the book uh, coming up. But they were showing me different things and they were talking to me at the same time. And then they said, tell her how you feel. This will be the last time you see her. And I said, I, I want to thank you for all the, the good times and the bad because, you know, she tortured me in childhood. Yeah. She didn't like me. And she told me I was the biggest disappointment of her life. But I told her, I said, thank you for the good times and the bad. Thank you for teaching me things that I needed to be able to know to help other people. And yeah. I appreciate you bringing me forward and allowing me to incarnate during this time period because I needed to be here. And she teared up and said, thank you for being my daughter. Oh. And thank you for being with me and teaching me about the spirit world. When I didn't know anything about it, you've opened up a whole new world for me. You've changed my, the way I see life. And I put her earring back on her ear and walked her to the, to the door. And I yelled up the stairs, Zach, come down and say goodbye to your your grandma and then I walked up the stairs and I opened the door and I looked at him I said you need to come say goodbye this is going to be the last time you see her he was playing video games at the time and he didn't heed my my warning and so I walked outside and I hugged her and she was talking she was showing me this purse that she just got this new Vera Bradley and I hugged her and I said, thank you. And she said, I made Ken promise me that he would drive me 
to see you more often. I, I know I need to see you more often because you teach me so much. And I just knew this was it. So I hugged her. And when I hugged her, I could feel, you know, I felt her energy deeper than before. But it was that I was able to give her the goodbye hug. And then the night just kind of like went on. And then at three o'clock in the morning, my stepdad was banging on the door and he said, what are you doing locking your door? You never lock your door. And I said, I don't know, maybe somebody locked it by accident. And he said, your mom was taken to the hospital and uh, I, I need you to, you know, get your clothes on. We got to go. And I said, okay, give me a minute. I went upstairs because I had on my nightgown and mom is there. And she said, there's no need for you to go to the hospital. She said, I've already left my body. They took me onto the hospital. They tried to revive me, but they're waiting for the doctor to come, uh, come in to give the family the option to take me off of life support and to say their goodbyes. They're giving the family option to say their goodbyes. I said, okay. So she, I said, what do I do? She said, don't go now. Just wait till morning. Cause you're going to be sitting there doing nothing. I said, okay. I went down. I said, I'm going to wait until six and then go. And he said, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm going. So he left and I go upstairs and I pass out. I don't remember sitting on the bed. I just know I fell over on the bed and perhaps it was so I didn't sit and talk to her. I don't know what it was, but um, the banging on the door again at six, I came down. He's like, you locked your door again. I said, I swear, I don't even know who locked the door. Maybe I locked it. I was half asleep. Um, and he said, the doctor wants to take her off of life support. Get dressed. We've got to go say our goodbyes. So I said, hold on. I'll go get dressed. So I went upstairs, got dressed, and we drove over there. And when I got to the entrance of the hospital, there was this giant amethyst crystal that was about six and a half feet tall in their waiting area, like giant crystal. The hospital has it there. That's amazing. It's beautiful. So when I walk in and I see it, she's there and she says, come on, uh, David's here, you know, and she's like telling me different people that, and she, I sit down on the sofa and my stepdad said, I'm going to go on up. I'm waiting on your sister to get here. Um, so my brother and sister go on upstairs and I'm sitting there talking to my stepbrother and mom is still there. And I said, they just want, they're going up to say their goodbyes to you. Don't you want to go up there? And she's like, oh yeah. And so she just, I said, you and I will talk later. You know, I'm yeah. like, I didn't say it in a funny way. I'm just like, come on now, you know, we'll talk later. So she goes on upstairs and I stay downstairs and my stepbrother said, you're not going to go upstairs. I'm like, no, because she's not there. I'll see her, you know, and I've seen her so many times. That's what was going to be my next question is, um, I know that you had a complicated relationship with her, but if it's someone so close to you, you're still a human. There's still grief right. involved. Right. And yet you also have this knowing that this isn't the end that I'm going to be able to communicate with them. And I was, how do you perceive her when when you have communication from her, because I know most people will say, oh, I, I saw a feather or a bird or whatever. Um, do you actually see her spirit no, I, and talk with that is so cool. No, I see her. And, and 
what she did the first time that she came in, she's like, look, I'm like Endora. I'm like, who's Endora? She's like, from Bewitched. I'm like Endora now, look. Oh, I that's just, so funny. Yeah, and that was her reference point. So I'm like, I don't know. And then one day I fell and I'm laying on the cement calling 911, you know, because I couldn't stand up on my leg. And she says, <laughs> she shows up and I'm like, am I dying? Why are you here? You know, and she yeah. said, oh no, you're not dying. I'm, I just came in to check on you. So at that point, my neighbor comes out and he hears me say, am I dying? Am I going to die? He's like, oh no, no, you'll be fine. Okay. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you know? So, uh, she was, she was actually, she wasn't with me in the ambulance, but she was with me at the hospital talking to me. And I talk about that in the book and what, what occurred. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. so, that's wonderful. I was just telling my dad, we went for a walk, walk by ourselves and he's pretty, um, well, he, I found out that he's a deist. He identifies more as a deist than anything. I always assumed he was an atheist. He's pretty conservative and logical. And um, so I had just been talking to my mom about all this and not telling him because I'm like, I, he's not going to know what to say about that. And finally, my mom was like, he's surprised that you think that, you know, because he's, he basically believes in what he sees. Like, I, I don't right. know. So I was explaining to him on our walk, like what, how this works and how I receive information. And, and I was like, and so I hope that he's like, but how do you do it? I'm like, this is how, this is how it works. And then I said, but I hope, you know, I hope that somehow I'm not asking you to believe wholly, but that it makes you less afraid or not. That I don't know that he's afraid or not, but I was like, I hope it brings you peace to know that this isn't all there is. And he's like, well, we'll see. Like, you know, he's still like, eh. but I just like the idea that I'm like, I know when he get. I don't want him to go anytime soon, but when the time comes, I do find comfort in knowing that we're going to have this very different relationship um, that it's in some ways we might even be, we've become very close since I moved to Virginia to be with them. But uh, I'm like, yeah, I feel like it's going to be this really more connected because we're so different. Um, and I think it's really interesting that we'll meet on a soul level instead of um, a human level, which I think is, is the gift in it, even though, like I said, I'm not looking forward to that time at all, but I do think it, it does help ease the, the fear around it, the dread around it. Yeah. I feel like that's part of your awakening now is, uh, or you're deepening into it because he, he does have fear, uh, about crossing. He does have fear afterwards. So for him, it's better for him to look at it as though there's nothing. Yeah. yeah. There's something, but once more of humanity lets go of the old idea of that fire and brimstone mentality that yeah. you know, uh, there is an acceptance level that you have to reach before being able to stay in heaven. Once they let go of that, there's going to be more people to awaken. It's just, it's so heavily ingrained in humanity that it's going to take a while for it to, because that's what they've based everything on. They based it on, you know, basically putting so much fear into everything uh, to keep people so connected to the church and to keep them so weighted down where they won't awaken on their own. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that's my personal belief. No disrespect to anyone who doesn't feel that way. I, like, as you said, touched on earlier, I believe that hell 
is of our own making. It's our own fears projected that we're all, none of us are perfect. Some of us are worse than others, <laughs> you know, but we're all here to learn. And so there really is no measure of good or bad on the other side from what I believe. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. There's just no good or bad value to it. It's just stuff that happens, which sounds really heartless, but it isn't. And um, it's not something I talk about a lot just because I know it's hard for people to understand. And they're like, well, that's that's not a very nice or that's that's uh, sort of minimizing uh, the, the horrible stuff, which I don't think it is, but I think it's hard to wrap our heads around that. Right. And I've noticed uh, with a few souls that I've encountered uh, during soul school after someone's passing, uh, their higher self will usually tend to experience pain that they've caused others. And I'm not talking about gaslighting someone or ghosting yeah. someone, not those, but um, maybe the like the murder type of mm -hmm. scenarios or some of the abuse, uh, the child abuse or things like that, what they've put others through. So, you know, when, when I've had people come to me and say, you know, their brother committed suicide, is he in heaven or is he in hell? I'll say, of course he's in heaven. Yeah. You know, uh, when someone does uh, commit suicide, the, the sad part is they, you, they will have to come back and mm -hmm. uh, understand the obstacle that they were trying to avoid. Yeah. Once you understand that obstacle, it's like, oh, it's like one of those angel moments. Oh, I made it. Uh, yeah. Get past it, you know, because we all have things that occur in our lifetime where we think this is it, you know, or you're really on your knees. What can I do? And it's those opportunities that we have to gain so much spiritual understanding. It's like we take a giant leap up, like in Candyland when you're playing the game and you can cut through. It's like, this is a cut through moment. If you only understood, it's a cut through moment to yes. bypass a lot more stuff. That's so interesting. A really close friend of mine was, he's struggled with severe depression his whole life and was telling me about feeling suicidal, which is really difficult um, as, you know, as a friend, you're, but, but at the same time, you know, he assured me, he's like, I'm not going anywhere. Cause I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to my family, but that's what I told him too. I said, I know it's hard. I'm so sorry that you suffer with this. I know it feels endless, but just know it's nothing bad will happen if you choose that path. I mean, you'll be okay. And I, and I, and I will be relieved for you, but I said, please stick around. I mean, because I love you, but also because you're just going to have to come do the karmic <laughs> thing all over again. It's like, you're just going to, until your soul gets the lesson, take what you have now because better the devil you know <laughs> who knows yeah. what's going to happen next time around you know when you get that choice so um again not to minimize anyone's pain i know it's a horrible state to live in but for whatever reason that's what that person has to deal with and um it's it's really unfortunate but i know it's all part of the growth and the evolution that we're here to do Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, when you think about having to do it all over again, remember you have to go through infancy, childhood, oh God, adolescent, elementary school. Right. Who wants that abuse? So at that point, you're just like, screw it. I'll just deal with this now instead of love the one you're with. Just, just I was like, look, you only have like 30 years left. It's gonna be okay. I'm like, we'll get through it together. Um, I personally want to live forever because I love this life, but I'm also not afraid of death now, and so it's. I know that I'm grasping on because I have so much I want to do, but I'm also 
when that time comes, looking forward to it, um, you know, whenever that may be. And what is it that you, you've said so many beautiful, wise things, but if there's one thing that you want people to know the most, what is that thing? That the number one uh, blockage in humanity right now is self-acceptance. So whatever yes. it is that you're holding on to within yourself, whether it's guilt or words that were spoken to you or a title that was given to you that's hurtful, the number one thing you can do is, is you know, shed that because shedding that belief is going to be the first step to your spiritual walk. Even if you've been on your, you think you've been on your spiritual path, nothing is more empowering that when you shed that and really look at the source of where it came from and you shine light on that source and you're like, you know, it was nothing. That's why I wrote the workbook. And I have had people look at the workbook and go, oh my gosh, look at that title. Well, it's all about releasing judgment. And if they're having that reaction to the title, they need the workbook more than anybody else. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so, so true. That's been on my mind a lot lately with the way that I've just been having these conversations around me having gone through a 12 step program and being an addict because I didn't love myself or value myself. And I really didn't know my own worth. And having gone through that, one thing I've learned the most is that if you, it sounds cliche, but this is the truth. This is the thing I know. If you don't love yourself and like yourself. And I think I actually want to do a video on that because what does that mean? Like, how do you just love yourself? And it's a process, right? Like, I think we all still struggle no matter how evolved we are. And I'm still, I, I feel for the first time in my life, so much self-love, so much self-esteem, self-confidence, self-compassion. I like who I am. Um, but that came after years and years and years of having to reinforce, let's get to the root of what started that. Let's create a new story. Let's act with integrity so you don't have to feel shame, so you don't feel bad about yourself anymore. Let's be of service so that you feel good about you and know that every, that you have nothing to hide and nothing to apologize for because you're doing your best even when you mess up. And uh, But until we do that, we can't have relationships with anyone else. We can't show up for anyone else wholly, honestly, because we're battling that thing inside of us. And so if we don't love ourselves, we can't love others the right way. And so that's something that is like a mission of mine too, which is what my book is about um, that I'm writing. It's taking me forever. Um, so I appreciate that sentiment so very much. Can you also, just to round this out, talk about, I know you've got a book coming out. Is there anything else that you'd like to share in terms of things that you have coming up or services that you're providing now? Well, I will be launching uh, more classes uh, that will be available online. And I will also be starting a forum uh, in 2023 where we will meet once a month. And it's for those that are going through the workbook series. If there's questions that come up or things, we'll have like our own little powwow group that we'll be meeting up with. Uh, but the the overall would be if you know nothing about the spirit world, uh, check out how I found my superpowers because it does give you a good jump start and then uh, the workbook series and there's 11 total that will be out so 
yeah and you know the 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 murder book is amazing for the fact that we actually get the spiritual lesson that's connected to what happened and so even though this is this situation's already occurred for those people for those of us that are reading it and like i had the privilege to meet the deceased afterwards or during uh that time period it was interesting to me because i learned so much and for years and years i'd write down everything i learned because I thought I want my kids to know this one day. I want my grandkids and their grandkids and I want the family to know about it. And I was guided every time to write it down, write it down, write it down. So I have got like five to six feet stacks of situations that happened that I was just like, I got to write it. And so all of that's coming out. All those stories are coming out. Oh, that's, that's excited. Yeah, I'm you're you have I feel like you have such a my dream career life. Um, I, you know, that you're diversifying in all these ways and getting to interact with the public and, um, and, you know, do readings and do writing and still be, and be a mother and do all this activism for animals. And um, it just all sounds beautiful to me. So thank you for sharing your heart, your insights, your experience with me and with the viewers and for connecting with me. You are such a beautiful soul, and I'm so glad to know you, and I'm so glad that we've connected. I just am so honored to have you on the show, and it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. It was an honor to meet you. You're amazing. You are too. Big hug. Thank you.